Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Welcome Street Talkers, Pastor Dominic Romaldi here with Pastor Michael Teddy as we are uh, taking our theology and bringing it to the streets. Uh, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail, um, if you got any questions, any concerns, and Pastor Michael will give you his uh, email before he uh, continues with our discussion on covenants, talking about covenant distinctives, and this will probably be our last segment on this. Um, and then obviously we want to try to end this segment with the clarity of the gospel in light of covenant theology. But, but I think we, where we left off last time um, in these distinctives was talking about the Presbyterian view. And again, we're all brothers in Christ, just talking about different views. Um, the Presbyterian view concerning the distinctives in covenant theology. And we know one of the distinctives of the Presbyterians is the baptism of infants, as they hermeneutically tie that up with the the circumcision from the Old Testament. And I think that's where we left off, Pastor Michael. Am I am I am I right there? Yeah, yeah. So and I think um, we will pick up from there. Uh, give me an email too, Michael. So Pastor yeah, Michael, so we so have that. Right, so uh, you can you can email me at michaelteddy at gmail.com, uh, michaelteddy at gmail.com, and uh, if you just put the subject as uh, street talk theology, I'll, I'll, I'll know it's you. <laughs> you better know uh, it. You better know what to do with yeah. that, right, uh, <laughs> Pastor Michael? Okay, so let's yeah. uh, let's continue. You're just going to kind of cap uh, encapsulate the, the Presbyterian view, and then you'll move on to the, um, to the Baptist distinct- distinctive. Right. So, yeah. So when we, when, when, when the Presbyterians look at um, covenant theology or the Pado Baptists look at covenant theology, um, we, you know, they begin to measure a lot of continuity between the Old Testament and the New. So they, they see the covenant of grace as encapsulating two administrations, the old, the old covenant, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, uh, so really what happens is they look at uh, God's covenant with Israel in the Old Testament, God's covenant with uh, the church in the New Testament as both being covenants of grace. And the administration of these covenants are a little different. And so you've got circumcision in the Old Testament, but you've got baptism in the New Testament. So there's a lot of continuity and there are a lot of discontinuities between the Old Testament and the New and so really what, what begins to happen with the pedo the infant Baptist view is that they begin to look at the nature of circumcision in the Old Testament, how people were included in the covenant people of God. Uh, and they would say that not all of Israel were genuinely saved. Not all of Israel were true believers, so to speak, because in order to become part of the covenant, you just have to work. You, know, you just have to do a work, which was circumcision. Right, you you do this one particular thing, and you're part of the covenant people of God. And we know that's not true in the New Testament, because you know you do baptism, you need not go to heaven because you do baptism. 
you have to be regenerate. You have to have Lord. faith, saving faith, in order to go to heaven. And uh, that is not of our, not our own doing. It is the work of God in us. And so we know that. Um, so the so the Presbyterian too sees the discontinuity. But the continuity they, they kind of do here is where they say, so you've got the covenant people of God in Israel, but not all of them are truly the right. people of God. Right. But amongst them are genuine, God-loving, faithful men of God, like David, man after God's own heart. And you've got Josiah and you've got so many people in the Old Testament who love the Lord, serve the Lord, the prophets, uh, the people who followed them, listened to them, obeyed them, loved the Lord. Uh, they were the true children of Abraham, as Paul tells us in Romans, because they're the children of promise, not just the, the children of the flesh. They're, they're the children of promise. And so what the Presbyterian does is they import that continuity over onto the New, New Testament, where they will say that in order to become a covenant people of the church of God, you do baptism, just like you do circumcision, but that doesn't mean you're saved, hey, just like Michael, in Israel. Pastor Michael, I tell you, you did such a good job. I, it almost sounds like uh, you almost persuade me to be a uh, <laughs> Baptist. I mean, you did a good job on that, and and the continuity is 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 a is a good hermeneutic. I mean, they they wanna yeah. they wanna you know. So um, you did a good job. I think. Uh, some of our uh, Pado Baptist brothers will be be proud. Um, but <laughs> a lot of my friends are Pado Baptists, and they've been asking me when I'm going to turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying you almost persuade me. You did such a good yeah. job. I mean, because I, you know, the continuity is is important, and um, so praise the Lord. Okay, Amen. let's. Uh, you want to encapsulate that, or you, you want to move on to the next? That's that's up to you. You got the floor. Yeah. So, so basically, that's that's the idea. So the 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 Presbyterian just uh, you know the, the important thing to understand here is that among brothers, genuine Christians, true believers, good healthy churches exist uh, with this view, and uh, they're not churches that say let's baptize all our infants and they're all going to heaven. That, that that's not it's not as simple as that. They raise them in the admonition of the Lord. Yeah. They teach them the word of God. They catechize them. Uh, a lot of their youngsters come to the faith, serve the Lord long time in the ministry. But they clearly identify the difference between infant baptism and genuinely being saved, um, which is key and which is what makes them healthy. I mean, the, the moment a church uh, believes that infant baptism saves, that's a very dangerous place Yeah, that's to be. a whole different thing. And I think I like yeah. what you said, too. Part of their distinctive, their job is to bring their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that right, right there is for everybody, right? I mean, yeah. we wanna, yeah. I mean, you, who knows better than you? you you're, yeah. Already yeah. Reading, you're already reading your son's scripture. How old is your son? <laughs> I mean, really, right? I mean, yeah. how old is your son? He's uh, a month, a month, I mean, a month and old. a little more. And, uh, but think about it. Think about you are bringing your child up in the fear and admonition of the Lord as being a month old. But again, yeah. uh, like our Presbyterian brothers w would believe that your son has to come to regeneration by the work of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, so Absolutely. And, and so I and that's where 
the distinctives suddenly come with the Baptist view. And so that we see where, with the whole Anabaptist and particular Baptist and church history, what we begin to see is uh, we have the rise of the particular Baptist um, um, in the 17th century who begin to formulate the distinctives a little differently than the Presbyterians used to do. And those distinctives really, really matter. Um, so what, what the Baptist basically does uh, or says is that um, the they too believe, just like their Presbyterian brothers, that there is significant points of continuity and significant points of discontinuity between the Old Testament and New Testament. However, they don't agree that the covenant of grace in the Old Testament and the New Testament is one umbrella with two administrations. Uh, they don't hold to that. The Baptist came along and said, that's too simplistic mm. because clearly the level of discontinuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament is significant enough for us to say that there, there, there are two covenants here at play. There are two things here at play. And so what the Baptist begins to do is dive deeper into it and say, if you look at the Old Testament, right, it's not as though they were all just simply covenants of grace. They also involved much work. So they tend to call those covenants of the Old Testament as covenants of promise because they are covenants all foreshadowing something to come. They're all covenants foreshadowing something to come. So when you when 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 Israel, when the Israelites killed bulls and offered sacrifices at the altar, it was not as though the blood of lambs and bulls could save anybody, as the author of Hebrews tells us. Why did they do that? Because that was a foreshadowing of the true sacrifice that was to come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. So so what what the Baptist came along and said is they're all covenants of promise. So in other words, they look at the Old Testament and they say that is the covenants of grace announced, but not come yet. It is, a, it is a time period when the covenant of grace is announced, it's being proclaimed like as though something is coming. You know, it's an announcement being made through these covenants of promise, but the covenant of grace did not truly come into effect. It, it did not inaugurate until Jesus came. Because when the Son of God came and uh, lived a sinless life and died on the cross and rose up from the grave through his redemptive work, he inaugurates the covenant of grace, which is a, which is a very stark distinction that we do see between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, so I find myself more compelled by this argument because so much of the text holds itself towards that kind of a view. Uh, so, for example, if you look at, so the, the particular Baptist would say, if you look at the covenant sign of circumcision itself, you begin to see that the nature of circumcision uh, was, was very different from the nature of baptism. Because with circumcision, you have explicit biblical warrant 
to see that as the means to become the covenant people of God. But when you read the New Testament, you never find baptism as being some sort of ritual that is performed to become the covenant people of God. You begin to see baptism as something that is after the effect. You begin to see baptism as something that believers do. Our believers are encouraged to do. And, and you've got so many places where you could go for, for that. Um, repent and believe and be baptized. Repent. And the, the very message was to repent and be baptized. Not to be baptized and then hopefully you repent at some point of time. Or you've got, uh, you know, I, I love the story uh, at Ephesus when um, Apollos comes along and teaches very profoundly, only knowing the baptism of John, the word of God, a lot of people come to the faith. Later, when Paul travels through Ephesus, he meets a lot of people who don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. They've all been baptized into the baptism of John. They believe that Jesus is true, but they've not, none of them have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Paul does not look at them and say, hopefully one day you'll get it, right? Paul prays for them, lays hands on them, and all of them are saved, completely baptized, and receives the Holy Spirit, and are regenerated, made new, which we see throughout the New Testament as a requirement to be the people of God. In fact, if you go to Matthew 18, places like that, you've got the whole idea of spiritual discipline within the church is, you, you didn't have that with Israel, right? You didn't have spiritual discipline in Israel to find out if they were the true people of God, right? But with, with the New Testament, you have that practice in the church where you, Jesus told us you will know them by their fruit. In other words, we are supposed to look for fruit in each other as though it is necessary to see fruit in order for you to be the covenant people of God. And if we don't see fruit and we see bad fruit, uh, it has to be confronted. And if it's not repented of, he must be removed from the covenant people of God. Amen. So so the, so the particular Baptist would come and say, we see a lot of continuity, but we see that the discontinuity is strong enough to make this kind of a distinction. And they will say, we always call it the old covenant and the new covenant. The old has passed away. The new has come. The language of that when Jesus talks about the old wineskins and the new wineskins and passages like that are, are so strong and telling that the discontinuity is really high. So what the Baptists do is that the Baptists say it's not continuing the same way like the Presbyterians seem to say. So that's that's the key distinctive. So now, now wait a minute. Now you almost persuade me now to be a uh, believer's <laughs> baptism. So... Yeah, and, right. and, and I think I think those, you know, I that those are the two views. I mean, I don't think we can add more or less to that. Uh, you were talking about Acts twenty when Paul met the, um, uh, the uh, I think it was in Ephesus, right? He met the right, um, right. those men, and they said that we we never even heard of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so that yeah. and that that would that's always been an an interesting sort of text there. Um, yeah. there is there, yeah. there is one yeah there is one interesting aspect to this though where uh, i think 
just as a passing, it's good to make one more distinctive is um, even among Baptists, uh, I would hold to a certain view that a few Baptists hold that uh, may not be very popular today. So I'll give you the example. So the Presbyterian would look at the continuity between the Old and the New Testament and they would import the promises that the Old Testament has for children and use it in the New Testament. Because some of these Old Testament promises for children are so profound. It's almost, uh, it's so strong where the Lord declares such blessings upon the children of believers, the children of true uh, covenant people, the children of the covenant people who are obedient to God, the promises given to their children are huge. They're so special, the special blessings, right? Special blessings. Yes, special blessings. And so the Presbyterian has a strange level of confidence while raising their children. So when they baptize their children as infants, their belief is my child will grow in the admonition of the Lord because he is my son. And I love the Lord, I believe in the Lord, and therefore the promises that I have been given to raise my son gives me more than enough confidence to know that he will come to the faith. Uh, Doug Wilson has written a book called Standing on the Promises, which kind of lays this out very clearly, how parents ought to stand on the promises. But here's the thing, when a lot of Baptists make the distinctive from the Presbyterian, they would say that too discontinues. So when they raise their children, they too do raise them in the admonition of the Lord and all of that, but not by standing on those promises. They raise their children as though they are unbelievers who one day may become believers and may not. So the level of promises, so you talk to a lot of Baptists and you ask them, so I'll give, I'll give an example. We talk about adult baptism. I know a lot of Baptist parents who refuse to baptize their children because they have not seen enough of fruit in their lives. Right. Their children confess the name of the Lord. They profess the Lord. They've always grown up in the church. They know all of those things. But the parents look for a certain degree of fruit to be met before they're given baptism, which I completely disagree with. Right. So I would I would hold so strongly to the Presbyterian view of trusting in the promises for my children, which is not a strange view. In fact, if you go back in history to the very particular Baptist view, you will see these distinctives where I am able to say while holding to the Baptist view of uh, my children have to grow up. I'm not going to wait for Ethan to be you know, 18 years old and clearly showing the signs of the fruit before he gets baptized. Mm. Ethan could be six years old and he'd love the Lord and he loved Jesus. And as, as early as I can measure his love for God, as early as I can say that, you know, he's young, but in his youth, he's still clear about this, that he loves Jesus. And I'm able to see that I have no problem baptizing my son. So I may not be someone who does infant baptism, but I don't mind baptizing children um, who are young. You know, I'm not going to wait for them to turn 18. So there's a distinctive there.
Right, so, right, right. So right. which is which is which is why I sound Presbyterian a lot when I talk about children, because I do believe we stand on those promises. And if we raise them in the admonition of the Lord, all of those promises are in effect for us to trust and continue. And explaining the importance of baptism, right? I mean, explaining right. the importance to them and, and, you know, letting them know this is not salvic, but this is something that should be done as part of the part of the covenant. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me see what we got. Oh, you know how when we start. Um, <laughs> So we got five minutes left um, in this segment. Wow, what do you? What can you do for? Can, can you in in four minutes uh, close with the clarity of the gospel in light of covenant theology? How's that for a challenge? <laughs> I will try. I'll definitely try. If not, we can um, pick it up lightly on the on the other side. Yeah, yeah. So. So what makes covenant theology so so unbelievably beautiful is um, how when we read the book of Romans, Paul begins to speak of the two Adams. And uh, why is it that we as a people are living uh, under sin when Adam was the one who originally sinned, right? Why, was, why, why is Adam's sin imputed to us as children of Adam? But that doesn't seem fair. Well, you can't understand why that's imputed to us till you understand covenant theology because the covenant God made with Adam, he made with the representative of all mankind. And Adam stood as that representative. He was the first man and therefore he stood there. And what Adam did in breaking that covenant is bring curse upon us all mm. because he broke the covenant as our covenant head or our federal head and federal is just another word for covenant it's our covenant head and so there is no way for us as we read in romans 8 there's no way for us to love or please god because in our fleshly nature we hate god uh, and the reason for that is because we are broken and sinful and we are totally depraved we are depraved and we are unable to love god or to serve god or to please him but when Jesus came, Adam was not Jesus' federal head, which was why Jesus had to be virgin born. Because if Jesus was born as any one of us was born, he would have been born in sin. But here he was born of the Holy Spirit. He was not under Adam. Adam was not his federal head. And Jesus lived a sinless life and did what Adam could not do. Right? And Jesus keeps his own covenant with his father to be our savior. So he comes as our redeemer and the father has a covenant with the son, which Jesus keeps. And what Jesus does by going on the cross is that he bears the death penalty of all our covenant breaking. And which is why Jesus says, "Not I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. How are you going to fulfill the law and the prophets? How are you going to fulfill the old covenants? How are you going to do that? Well, Jesus was going to come and keep it perfectly. And he does. And he kept the covenant and he took the prize of our covenant breaking. And in this new covenant in Christ, Adam is no longer our federal head. For our covenant head is now 
Christ. And we so in live. Adam, all die, and in Christ, all live. So, so, we the gospel imp- so we get imputated with Christ's righteousness. Righteousness, yeah. And that's so. a whole nother topic, imputation, that people are not believe. That's another, that's a huge topic that <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll take it on the other side just for a second. But um, yeah. anyway, Pastor Dominic Romaldi here with Pastor Michael Teddy, where we take our theology and bring it to the streets here in Street Talk Theology with our India and Arizona connection. Till the next time we continue with covenants and some other topics uh, in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.com dot org.